What is going on, mere mortals? My name is John Solo, and God of War Ragnarok's character design has triggered some strong reactions out of people. Back when Thor was first revealed, there was a ton of backlash about him being overweight, even though that physique makes a lot more sense when you actually read the mythology. Odin's appearance has had a mix of responses from people who love this unique take, as well as folks who wanted something a bit more bold and menacing. And then there's Anger Boda. I'm not gonna waste my breath articulating those people's complaints, but I just wanna say Leia DeLeon Hayes absolutely killed her performance. You look weirder than I imagined. Although the reception for most of these characters' appearances has been kind of a mixed bag, there is one that seems to be universally loved. I'm talking about Sith. Thor's wife, who I've noticed a concerning amount of simping for in the comment section. Though, according to our poll, Lady D from Resident Evil still holds the crown as queen of the simps. Now, while Sif in God of War Ragnarok exudes strength, ferocity, and just the right amount of tenderness, her mythological counterpart isn't quite as bold. In fact, the story that Sif is most known for appearing in follows her on a particularly bad hair day, after she wakes up to find that Loki shaved her head in her sleep. This would probably be an appropriate time to mention this episode is sponsored by Manscaped, but more on them later. Right now, I want to dive face first into Sif's mythology and tell you all about the real goddess who inspired her. Spoiler warning for those who haven't finished the game yet, I'm going to be giving away some pretty important story details. But for those who haven't played it yet and don't care about spoilers, make sure you stay until the end to see how you can win a free copy of God of War Ragnarok. Chapter 1, Earth and Fertility So right out of the gate, you're going to find Sif's mythology both fascinating and confusing, because the only things we really know about her are that she has golden hair, that she's married to Thor, and that she has at least one child by him, their daughter Thruder, who also shows up in God of War Ragnarok. It's become pretty widely accepted that she's a goddess of the Earth, or if you want to get more specific, the Earth's fertility, but this is never explicitly stated anywhere in our Norse resources. The Skaldske Parmal chapter of the Prozetta gives her name as a synonym for Earth, but her actual domain, powers, and worship are nowhere to be found in the rest of the book, or in the Poetic Edda for that matter. So where did her association with the Earth come from? Believe it or not, it's actually from other mythologies. You see, it's pretty common in pantheons all around the world for sky gods like Thor to be married to earth goddesses. Think Uranus and Gaia in Greek mythology or Deus, the proto-Indo-European sky father we mentioned last week, and his partner Daegyon the Earth Mother. It was the union of the sky and the earth that led to the growing and flourishing of terrestrial life. Everything from forests to crops to potted plants were born from the gods coming together. Pun intended. It's also been well established that Thor was associated with the fertility of fields, possibly because of his reputation as the bringer of rain, so his wife also being connected to fertile fields would make sense. Especially when you consider that her name, Sif, is the singular form of the Old Norse word Sifjar, which roughly translates to relation by marriage. But also, with Thor's prominent role in the mythology and her mostly being known as his partner, you can see why some would associate her with the fields that he's fertilized. Not to mention that he also fertilizes her fields, if you know what I mean. Oh, 
that's gross. Now this is just a theory, but I think that her relation to fields and farming could be why Odin in the God of War game placed her in charge of the Midgard refugees that moved to Asgard. Those people needed help building their farms and establishing their new homes, so who better to ask than the goddess who oversees both the harvest and familial relationships. Funnily enough, she plays the same role for the Asgardians in the post game. After Asgard is destroyed and its residents are relocated to Vanaheim, she could be heard speaking to Hildisfini about setting up farms and granaries. Where can we set up the farmsteads and the granaries? We don't do that kind of thing here. This realm provides us what we need. What if the winter is harsh or if the food spoils? Then we hunger, and we learn. Another way that scholars associate Sif with farming is through her famously long, golden, beautiful hair, which they believe represents fields of golden wheat. But to be clear, not all scholars agree with this, and personally, I find it to be a bit of a stretch. Don't get me wrong, I have zero qualifications to make that judgment, but there are two different points in the prose edda where it's mentioned that another term for gold is Sif's hair. They do go on to list other epithets for gold, like Freya's tears and Dropnir's drop, so it's not like she had sold dominion over it, but there is no instance in any of our Norse resources where wheat or crops of any kind are mentioned in association with her hair. Granted, our sources don't contain every detail of the Norse mythos, not even close, so it's fair to suggest that the connection was just left out of the writings. But considering that her hair is compared to gold basically every single time it's mentioned, I just can't help thinking that if it was associated with wheat, that would have been clearly stated somewhere, especially as a goddess of fertility in the earth. But let's not forget about her other domain, marriage and family. It almost seems like goddesses who preside over this realm are always cursed to have unfaithful husbands. And sadly, Sif is no exception. She and Thor have their daughter Thruder, who I mentioned earlier, but she's the only one of their children to be sired by both of them. Unless you count their son Larithi, but not everyone does because he isn't mentioned in any myths, and as far as I know, only appears in the Euhemerized prologue of the Prozetta. Her stepsons are Magni and Modi, who Thor had out of wedlock. Magni with a giantess named Yarnsaxa, and Modi with an unknown woman. Their lineages in the God of War universe actually follow the mythos pretty perfectly, though it seems like Sif eventually got over Thor's affairs and chose to be a good mom who raised the boys as her own. Magni, Modi, our boys. We used to tell them stories by the fire. Do you remember? We would carve those wooden horses. We would play and laugh until the sun sank and they fell asleep in our laps. Now, it might surprise some of you to hear this, but Sif actually had a relationship before Thor. We don't know the identity of her ex, but she did have a son with him named Uller. I caught a surprising amount of flack for leaving him out of my video on Thor's children, but in my defense, he's not descended from Thor. The text specifically describes him as Thor's stepson. Not to mention, literally none of those um actually commenters bothered to mention Larithi. I mean, neither did I, but if you're gonna correct someone, you gotta be thorough, man. Back to Uller, we don't know a whole lot about him, but he sounds like a pretty cool dude. It's said that he's so skilled at archery and skiing that no one can compete with him in either area. We're also told that he's beautiful to look at, an accomplished warrior, and a good person to pray to in single combat. I don't know about you guys, but that creates a badass image in my head of Uller taking out enemies with his bow while simultaneously racing down a mountain on a pair of skis. 
Let's see Tom Cruise do that in the next Mission Impossible movie. Sure, holding on to the side of a plane mid-takeoff is pretty cool, I guess, but does it really beat murder skiing? Now, I don't want to make this too awkward or serious, but I feel like I can't move on to the next section until I address some of the rumors you may have heard about me. And Sith. They're not true, okay? Loki and Odin lie as easy as they breathe, and both times they said that, they were just trying to cause trouble. For those who don't read the tabloids, there's a story in one of them called Greybeard Song where Thor gets into an insult contest with Odin, who's disguised as an old man and refuses to ferry Thor across the river. The two exchange barbs for a while, as well as brag about how many monsters they've slayed and women they've slept with, but at the end of the exchange, Odin gets real personal and real specific. He says that Thor's wife is cheating on him at this very moment, and that if he did ferry the god across, Thor could get home in time to catch her in the act. But he doesn't ferry him across, so Thor is stuck taking the long way home and wondering the entire time if Sif is having an affair. I swear she wasn't though, I was nowhere near Asgard that day. Then, in that other gossip rag called the Poetic Edda, the poem Lokasena details the time where Loki drank like 50 beers and started roasting all of the gods while they were out having a nice dinner. The dude was just butthurt that they kicked him out for stabbing a servant to death, so he started hurling insults at everyone. He questioned the bravery and masculinity of every male god in the place, and then accused pretty much all of the goddesses of cheating on their husbands, including Sif. She tries to get out of being roasted by serving Loki a free beer, but that just put her in his crosshairs. He said, I alone know how you were unfaithful to your husband, Thor, and John Solo was the one you slept with. Okay, he doesn't say John Solo. He claims it was himself, but that ruins my bit. Well, jokes aside, after he makes that claim, the sound of thunder echoes through Aegir's Hall, lightning flashes, Thor appears in the doorway, and not long after, Loki is sent packing with his tail between his legs. You can't really blame him for hightailing it out of there. He was about this close to having Thor's hammer shatter his skull into a thousand pieces. But now that I think about it, you can blame him for Mjolnir's creation. Chapter 2. Bad Hair Day. So this story, which is undoubtedly the most famous story about Sif, can be found in the Skaldska Parmal chapter of the Prose Edda. I've mentioned this section a few times now, so I should probably tell you what its title translates to, huh? It means the language of poetry, and you can kind of think of it as a thesaurus. It's essentially a thesaurus with stories that explain why people, places, and things are known by certain nicknames. And this particular story enlightens us on why gold is known as Sif's hair. It begins on a quiet morning in Asgard. The Ainhur-Yar were training in Valhalla, the Allfather had taken Slepnir out for a quick cruise around the realms, and Baldur was basking in his bright and beautiful light. But this tranquility was all put to an end with the piercing sound of Sif's screams. She had just woken up to find that her luscious, silky, perfect blonde hair was chopped off while she was sleeping. Her screams woke up her husband, Thor, the God of Thunder, and when he saw the morning light bouncing off his wife's bald head, he didn't even bother asking questions. He knew this was Loki's fault, and he intended to break every bone in his body if he didn't find a way to fix his fuck up. Lucky for Loki, he was good at performing under pressure. He quickly told Thor that he could find a replacement for Sif's hair that was even more beautiful than the hair that someone cut off. You know, whoever that might have been. 
Loki went to the dwarves known as Ivaldi sons and persuaded them to make new hair for Sif and two additional gifts that would be up to their choice and creativity. Then he went to some other dwarves named Brock and Sindri who play extremely important roles in the God of War story and convinced them to make three gifts of their own to compete with Ivaldi's sons. The best part was that if Brock and Sindri won, their prize was Loki's head. A few days later, it was competition time and neither participants were screwing around with their entries. Brock and Sindri crafted a ring called Draupnir, which created eight clones of itself every nine nights. They made the gold-bristled boar Golan Bursty, who could run through the air and overseas faster than any horse. And Thor was given his iconic hammer, Mjolnir, which had a handle that was just a little too short thanks to Loki trying to sabotage them. Meanwhile, Ivaldi's sons created some pretty spectacular gifts of their own. They made a spear called Gunnir for Odin, which was enchanted to never miss its mark. Frey received Skithblothner, a ship that would always have a fair wind to push it in the right direction and could fold into his pocket when not in use. And lastly, there was Sif. Thor placed the shining gold wig on her head, and within a few moments, it had doubled, then tripled in size. Not only was her new hair more beautiful and radiant than before, she now had more of it than ever. In her eyes, this wig was the best gift of them all. Unfortunately, the vote wasn't up to her. Odin, Thor, and Frey were the ones to decide, and they weren't gonna say that hair was the best gift. No way. Thor's hammer was a conduit for his lightning powers, could never be broken, and always returned to him no matter how far he threw it. The vote was unanimous. Brock and Sindri were the winners. What does that mean for Loki's head? Well, he told the dwarves that he technically only owed them his head and that they couldn't take that without harming his neck, which they had no right to do. But Brock found a clever workaround. Instead of cutting off Loki's head, they sewed his mouth shut. And for a time, the halls of Asgard enjoyed sweet silence. I'm sad to say there is no equivalent to the head shaving event in the God of War universe, as hilarious as that would be. We do get to see their bedroom when we play as Loki, so he definitely would have had a chance when he was living on Asgard, but I think he was a little too intimidated by her and Thor to risk pulling a prank like that. Hell, he was too intimidated by Throod. But that, mere mortals, was the messed up origins of Sif. She's not exactly a big player in the Eddas, but I really enjoyed her presence in the game. I think they struck the perfect balance between beautiful and frightening with her appearance and personality. She's a tiger mom who's strong enough to keep the force of nature that is Thor somewhat contained. Now, for those who haven't had the pleasure of playing this game, but sure do want to, I'm giving away five digital copies, and the rules to enter are real simple. First, you've got to rate our show five stars. I mean, you don't gotta, there's no way for me to tell if you did, but it would be appreciated. You made it to this point, so you probably enjoyed it a little bit, right? Second, you gotta follow Messed Up Origins on Instagram. We post mythology and folklore content on there almost every day, so it's a win for you and it's a win for me. The socials make sure that my content actually reaches you. Lastly, because I want this contest to be exclusive to the mere mortals and the solo fam and not have a bunch of randos jumping in, I want you to comment on the illustration of me in the library, your favorite thing that you learned from Messed Up Origins. Or, if it's too hard to pick just one, tell me why you keep tuning in to Messed Up Origins. I've been making folklore and mythology content for five years now, and I love this community. But in order to get the most out of the next five years, I gotta know what you love about the show. I have some big plans for 2023, more short form content, new series, etc. And your unique insights will allow me to make those the best they can be. And hey, if your comment is randomly selected, you'll get a free video game out of it. 
that's pretty cool. Anyway, on that note, I'm gonna take off. But thank you all for watching, especially to those special few who made it to this point. The boost in retention goes a long way in helping our show reach new eyes and ears. So thanks. Now be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. I've got new messed up origins coming at you every Friday. We're posting remastered episodes twice a week and have some bonus God of War content sprinkled in there. I hope to see you soon. Until then, my name is John Solo, and don't forget, John shot first.